0: The archetype is a force, it has an
1: autonomy, it can tease you. Her family has been involved in rituals for generations. She is currently in extensive therapy.
0: Sigmund Freud removed that last vestige
1: of what magic was all about. What's happening right now in America is witchcrafts trying to take this country. Why would we not worship goddess? Why would we not love goddess? We're in trouble, ladies and gentlemen. The clockwork elves, all of it, I shouldn't even get into it. We are putty in the hands of brilliant magicians. Does this arc
0: And we're back, geese and ganders. We are here with another weather report. The stratosphere is abuzz with strangely francophone murmurings. Um, so we will be discussing today this new school of magic, which has appeared on the uh, permanent record as well as my own project.
1: Harp's been busy lately, so let's see what we got coming down the pipes here. Uh, we're going to be discussing two things today. We're going to be discussing the new adept school that's popped up recently, Nevermancy, as chronicled by one Jerome Vivas Borel. I probably butchered that. Uh, a French...
0: I don't know how to Jerome. do that.
1: Right
0: I, I don't I don't know. I know it, the e goes up, but I don't know what the little the o with the ha- I don't know how to pronounce the o with the hat.
1: All right, so we're going to be discussing that and some interesting things that our very own Mister Torpsen has dug up and then put on the status for all to see. So, Neuromancy is a magic school based on storytelling any sort of storytelling, uh, whether it be film or books or the type of shit that you tell to all your mates in the bar or even Game Masters, those weirdos who are totally unrelated to any of our listener base, I'm sure.
0: I do like the fact that it's tied in Game Masters as like being a basic... Uh, the type of adept that has Naromancy would be a GM. It's kind of interesting. I I, I could see myself playing like a Dungeon Master as a character with Naromancy. That would be quite interesting because then you could have a game within a game, which would be pretty funny.
1: Well, but then what if the GM is running Unknown Armies?
0: That gets a bit too meta. Um, I feel like
1: UA is a good game to handle that sort of thing.
0: That's true. What if they're playing Delta Green?
1: Oh, it, there you go.
0: It implodes in on itself.
1: So, we have our issues with neomancy. We were talking about it a bit before the show, but we do. Like, I like, the, I, I dig this general idea of taking the general concept of storytelling and turning it into its own way of casting magic. You know, it's your way to leave your mark on the world. So, the way to get minor charges for this school, there's actually two of them. Uh, first method, you write a total of a thousand words of coherent fiction, movie, play, novel, etc. They also reference a role-playing game book as another example, so there you go. Uh, the person who wrote this very well may have been an to themselves. Second Oh, method snap!
0: Is- so you're saying that they got a charge from this. Maybe this is why they wrote it.
1: There you go. There you go. I, I mean, the, there's no charges that have anything to do with people reading your stuff or absorbing it anyway. So, this might even well be counter propaganda of some sort, getting the idea of Neromancy out there, but getting a slightly wrong idea out there so people don't know what you're actually doing when you put this out. The second method to get in my charge is. You have to receive a story, written, told, visual, for at least 30 minutes. So, you know, watch a episode and a half of television, for example. A significant charge, it's the same type of thing, which is... First method is you have to receive a story for at least three hours in a row. Second method is you need to write a total of 5,000 words or more of coherent fiction. And then finally, the major charge is you have to finish all of the major works of a famous writer so that you know their truth about the great story or uh, again you can also finish a work yourself that will in some way join the collective imagination which very well may be what the writer mr jerome here is going for
0: i do like the major charge um There's some interesting implications for it. The fact that you just, you can get a major charge. If you've got a major charge, you know, oh my God, I've just written something amazing. What happens if you get your major charge and then throw the manuscript into a fire? Like what happens then? Do you lose your major charge? Like that seems like something like that might be, if I was playing a Naromancer, that might be what I would do. I'd I mean, just
1: like, join the collective imagination. So you know, the most straightforward way of doing that is you get your book published and ends up being a huge hit. But, but it can't... says it
0: says that you get your major charge when you've just finished it, not before, not when it's published. When you have finished it, so what's That's to stop from point, throwing actually. it in the If you throw the manuscript in the fire, it can't join the collective imagination. Like, but you've already got your. Well, you still
1: might. That's kind of the idea. Maybe is that this narrative is inherently so powerful that even though you write it, and just toss it away, someone else in the collective unconscious ends up tuning into that and makes it themselves in some way.
0: Oh, that's an interesting thought. So you can't just you've you've brought it into the world. Is that the whole idea of like do not call that which you cannot put down, but with fiction that's pretty cool
1: now the uh finish all the great works of a famous writer is pretty strong because like okay what if you finish all the great works of say jd salinger that's one book
0: and you also have to read h.p lovecraft's really racist poem
1: yeah exactly uh you know that that task is very easy for some writers so that's a lot for a major charge my opinion i like the finishing a work idea but the absorbing a work and that's sort of the other thing here is that there's a lot of overlap in each of these charge methods like the minor charge you have to receive a story of at least 30 minutes as one of the methods and then for the significant charge, you need to receive a story for at least three hours. So does that mean if you receive a story for three hours, you get six minor charges and a significant charge?
0: I I don't know. This happens with some schools. Sometimes it's not clear, um, especially when schools sort of um, just change the degree of a singular action from minor to significant. Yeah. It's, it's hard. I don't know. One thing I will say about... The major charges, um, because the major charge is my, fa- my favourite part of this. I have some yeah. I- ideas for minor and significant to change them up a bit. But with the major charge, what I find interesting is the fact that for example, if you have a famous author, famous writer, and you have all these narromancers trying to complete they like read all their works, and no Naromancer has ever gotten that major charge from that famous author. That indicates that somewhere out there in the world is a piece of juvenilia or something that they've written.
1: That That's a good unknown. point. Yeah, it doesn't need to be some necessarily something they published. Anything they've ever written ever. So that very very well just cut out a bunch of writers or directors entirely because they just threw away some of their work.
0: Especially now with living authors, I mean, do you have to go through and read Stephen King's entire Twitter threads? Like all, he, he posts a lot. He posts quite yeah. a bit. You have to yeah. read all his
1: tweets. Uh, and can you even do this for a living author? Because you know they could actively uh, a writer is going to be constantly working on new stuff. So for a living author, you you're a huge Stephen King fan. You go through all the stuff. You don't get the major charge. So you realize, oh, crap. Okay, I'm going to need to break into Stephen King's house and read all of the stuff he never published. And then I might need to kill Stephen King so he doesn't have a chance to write anything else.
0: That's an interesting idea. Like, the murderous Naromancer. That would be a great antagonist. Like, a Naromancer who's killing, like, famous living authors because he wants that major charges. Those those major charges. Like... See, the, the
1: major charge is the most interesting. I have there, There's pro- some dimension there I didn't see initially. Yeah, you're right. I would
0: change up the minor charge because the 30 minutes to receive a story, total visual or written, 30 minutes is too easy for me, yeah. I think, for a minor charge. What I think would be interesting and better and something that would vary in terms of like how much effort you have to put into it, I would say to get a minor charge, you should either tell or receive a story which has a coherent beginning, middle, and end.
1: I wouldn't even say that because, especially like the putting in terms of minutes, uh, that overlaps a lot with the uh, binge watching school of magic, whose name is honestly escaping me at the moment.
0: I, well, that's what I was thinking like for a significant charge, I'm thinking maybe long form fiction. But then is that too hard? Is that too hard? I
1: think leaning into the creative aspect of this is the way to go. So rather than having two ways of getting charges, it's just, all right, you can't get this in any way from absorbing stuff. You Except I, I do like that wrinkle for the major charge. So I'd say, yeah, sure, keep that. Um, I and mean, maybe like, have if- a significant charge of read all the published work of a particular
0: writer my argument for having a minor charge being um a story with a coherent beginning middle and end it means it it reduces the number of things that you can actually watch or absorb for example you cannot watch you cannot watch a um any kind of drama on television drama um to get a minor charge because you would because that's it the story isn't over you can watch a sitcom. Like sort of sitcom that like, like each each individual episode is um, separate, is unrelated. But any any kind of serialized fiction you can't do. I would keep serialized fiction for significant charges.
1: I mean, this uh, also asks some weird questions of like, what is a coherent middle and end? Because uh, you know there are very there's very much all sorts of art that don't really do that in any way. And then there's that is there's plenty of short stories that are like you know a couple pages and to fit into that category pretty easily
0: i don't i don't see that as a bug I see that as a feature like if you can do like for sale baby shoes never worn that's fine yeah. you can do that and you get your minor charge from that but there's not that but you you have to like figure that out if you want to do some flash fiction you have to figure that out and it's it's harder than it looks
1: yeah it should definitely be for reading or watching a movie or whatever something that you haven't absorbed previously that should be a caveat
0: in my model of doing this if a minor charge with some some one-off that would mean if you're a gm uh one a one shot that's a minor charge a campaign that's a sick charge
1: oh that's good that's good i dig that and also and, it, and... it seems
0: it seems hard to get sick charges that way but you can also do different things at once. Like if you read all of a completed book series as SIG, if you finish watching The Wire or Breaking Bear, that's a SIG. If you like so you can get SIGs, you binge watch something or you read a whole book, like a whole book series. It has to be some sig. sort of epic, right? Yes.
1: To get a SIG charge? Um
0: I, I would say so, yeah.
1: So in that case then, would there be a way to get a major charge for GMing something? Like, hey. Maybe you get a campaign of yours actually published and out there. Well, that would
0: be something that you just finish a work that will join the collective imagination. Oh, yeah, with there you go. Role playing games, um, what is that going to be? That's going to be something like what campaign or what role playing game has entered the public imagination other than Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, but if you create, uh, if you manage. A
1: vampire, to, that's about it.
0: But it's not really the collective imagination because it's just role players you know about vampire i guess vampire the masquerade has had major it, it had the most conflict. of any
1: non dnd game i'd say yeah um i mean f- fuck that got a tv series as short lived as it was
0: yeah but if you could make a role playing game that has the kind of uh, effect on society that dungeons and dragons has always becomes like a household name or at least people know what it is then maybe
1: the, the one of the interesting parts there is that all of the motivation behind this creative act is, may not all of it, but a lot of it's purely cynical. So you're thinking of anything you're making less in terms of, oh, do I enjoy working on this, and more in terms of, do I affect the collective unconscious when I release this into the wild, or, sure. no, or no?
0: Maybe something along the lines of, um, like critical role, um, yeah, yeah, running a campaign of. Um, along those lines because that's something that has exposed a lot of people to Dungeons and & Dragons and role-playing in general yeah. who weren't for and who've made a lot of people go, hey, that's cool. Or like doing like um, how there was at that episode of Community that had Dungeons & Dragons that made a whole lot of people go, hey, that that looks fun actually. I want to play that. Like maybe something like that, you know, something that can push it into more mainstream
1: I mean, yeah, making something much more popular is affecting the collective unconscious, so that's a great example. So, as far as the spells for this type of thing, uh, a lot of them are fairly sort of uh, typical ones. Things that give you bonuses to identity, things that allow you to use your necromancer identity in place of other ones, or spells that get you a hunch in some way. The one that stuck out to me among the minor charge spells was Madeleine de Proust, which is your target perceives something that reminds them of a memory and makes them feel, after an instant of melancholy, an emotion of your choosing.
0: Yeah, that's the most flavorful of the minor spells. Um, The rest are mostly... They're very paint by numbers, as you were saying before the show. Yeah, um, yeah. But this one, I like the the like the flash of like an instant of melancholy, and then an emotion of your choosing. That's interesting. That's fun.
1: And significant spells also have a similar type of deal, where they're kind of typical ones. But the some of the, some of the charge balancing on this feels kind of off. Like the significant blast for the neuromancer is Deus X, which is at the right moment. You cause someone to suffer for a heart attack, a stroke, a piano fall, and the target suffers damage as if they were hit by a handgun with no damage cap. That's see, I, a lot for one significant charge. Yeah.
0: See if I was doing if I was doing it with my alternate charging structure, I would keep that because it would be funny, be like, I've I've watched all of like Ozark or Breaking Bad, therefore I can give you a heart attack. I mean, that's pretty yeah. funny.
1: I like a lot of these general ideas. Um, I just think uh, things could be, I guess, pared down a bit more for flavor. And, you know, also just make a, getting a charge a bit harder than it is, considering how powerful so many of these significant blasts are. Like the one that allows you to basically pull a adaptation on a person and narrate their actions and take control of their body. It's, it's pretty powerful in many ways. And that's really flavorful, and I dig that. But, you know, in light of that, the charges that let you do that should be a bit trickier.
0: I really think that, like, to make this a bit more flavorful, they should have leaned into um, – because the thing about this school is because it's so broad in terms of theme – Storytelling—it's yeah. um, a lot broader than, say, something like Cinemancy, because Cinemancy has kind of similar spells, but it's all, it's very much couched into the language of cinema and how that's yeah. unique. Um, while this is—it's very, very sort of like very broad, and what I think would have been better if they'd kind of lent a bit more into some of the theory of storytelling and writing and like the whole um, the hero's journey kind of stuff. Or like yeah. Dan Harmon's Story Circle, or whatever you want to do. Like uh, lead into the, some of the 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 way people have thought about narrative and how it affects people, and you could lead into like like epic ancient Greek epic storytelling versus like modern mass media and things like that. You could lead into like that side of things, and by leading into that you could probably come up with some more interesting spells in my opinion.
1: Sort of building off what you just said, I think the way that you really give this an identity of its own is you remove the aspects about absorbing media altogether. You don't get any charges from just reading or watching something, no matter how big it is. It's all about making something of your own. It's all about actually creating or telling stories of your own, and the spells themselves fit into Hero's Journey or various other theories of storytelling. And that would be a good paradox for this school of, you're trying to do a fundamentally creative act here, but everything you create is limited by the fact that must be in one of these pre-existing structures. You can't innovate. You can only create stuff that people are in some way already familiar with.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Or like maybe make this school a bit less of a conventional school and link it to the storytelling like in the like in the same way that schools like um mechanomancy and narco alchemy are are different, are different like they have a different structure to them, or like um Yeah, yeah. Anagram Gematrea. Like imagine if the content of your story affected what spells you could
1: have. Like yeah, what spells that's you a good spell idea. kind of like iconomancy where uh What your focus is determines what actual spells you have access to.
0: This this school reminded me of. I watched. I can't remember the name of it, but it was something on Netflix. It was some Scandinavian horror anthology TV show, and they had one episode where this uh, this woman was like going through her life, and then like all these fucking horrible things started happening to like completely. Like, her housemates decided to try and kill her, and all this, like, ridiculous shit was happening, and she discovered that she was being followed around by this stalker who was, like, writing her story, and it was affecting her life, and she basically did the back, like, she got out out her own laptop and started fucking with him in the same way, and I'm like, that was the kind of, like, that sort of thing would be the kind of thing I could imagine like a naromancy could do. Like by writing stories you could affect the world. Like, okay, you're now a character in my story, motherfucker. And I'm gonna tell what I'm gonna say what happens.
1: An idea that comes to mind for a spell in a school like that would be you insert plot holes into people's lives, which provokes unnatural and self-chests. That's awesome. That's a great idea. See, that's the sort of thing that's
0: interesting. Like plot holes Like anything that actually relates to the art or the techniques of writing and the pitfalls and things like that would make this school a lot stronger, I think.
1: That's actually another good paradox for this. We tend to look at our lives as some sort of narrative, but it's really not. We're the main
0: characters in our own stories, but no, we're not really.
1: But the narrative is kind of about that is taking that idea and trying to make it real. But you're not doing it for yourself as a person, as an airmancer, you're still subject to the whims of fate and shit, but you can change the lives of others so they more fit these narrative structures that we've built.
0: Because if you can take control over synchronicity, you can do anything. Uh, yeah. That's how and lots of that's magic That's all magic works. is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think it's interesting in the major charge effects is the fact that you can disappear into a fictional universe of your choosing. Like what is the me- what is the mechanics of that? Do you go to a different
1: world? Yeah, that's uh that's a that's a big thing for just one spell of an entire school.
0: But then again that means that just removes the Naromancer from this world. That's fine.
1: So, Torm, you also have put something together.
0: Well, this my um Magnus Opus, for the time being, uh, Goad, um, was born out of a desire to include some more campaign starter ideas or frameworks, uh, because I like them. I like the ones that were included in the uh, book. Uh, I used to like the ones that were in the second edition as well. Um, they give some fun ideas, and I wanted to come up with some of my own. And so I thought, oh, I'll do 333 of them, because that's that's the magic number in this game. And I regretted that because it was a lot of creative energy. A lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You've been working on this for a while. And I mean, you did come out with some very good shit. But... I think,
0: like, with a lot of these things, because there's so many, it's going to be uh, your mileage may vary for all of these things. But that's the good thing about having so many is that, like, as I even said that in the forward, like, some of these things you won't like, but most people will find at least a couple that'd be like, yeah, this is, this is, I could do this. This looks fun.
1: So what Goat is is it's three hundred and thirty three campaign hooks with a few more kind of roughly sketched out but not given a whole lot of detail uh, uh, you mean, for your yeah, UA the cams. rejected
0: ideas section at the end, which is like yeah yeah <laughs> I was like I
1: I like some of those I like some of those but I could see them being kind of hard to flesh out into you know a full couple yeah but all there.
0: the um the rejected ideas like I just. Yeah, I couldn't flesh them out because I was just like, well, this is this is exactly what it is. Like, I don't need to flesh this out. <laughs> like, this is just an idea to have this. Chose. I was, I have a hard time with titles, although I, I did all right with the, the chapter titles.
1: I think Goad's pretty good. Goad, it's evocative. Um, Like, I, I don't really know what it is. Like, honestly, this whole thing kind of reminds me of a lot of the stuff that Kenneth Height used to do and. Uh, suppressed transmission where he just come up with these totally off the wall campaign ideas drawing yeah. from his endless well of knowledge about weird occult and conspiracy bullshit and they were almost universally really interesting ideas Yeah, that's,
0: i think yeah basically i would love to be like a 10 percent of kenneth Hyde, but that's basically the idea um i like i love that sort of shit that express like, transmission that model of doing things just like putting out ideas and coming up with ideas and like developing them enough that you can put them out there for the world and it's like what about this what about this even if no one ever like, there's so many things in suppress transmissions i'm sure no one ever played but no one's ever really angry that they're out there um because they're good and they're inspirational and you don't know what they're going to affect like Maybe he's put out like some campaign idea that no one's ever played, but it's probably affected the way someone's played something or given someone an idea at some point. And that's, that's the importance of this sort of thing.
1: So the way that this is organized is into various different sections. It um, was roughly on specific themes. There was some personal family objectives, local objectives, vindictive objectives, uh, venereal Objectives Beast with Two Backs is probably my favorite section in the entire book. Oh, oh, so many of those I are just gold. didn't want to
0: put like sexual objectives because it sounds fucked up.
1: <laughs> no, Veneeral's way better. Veneal's way better. And it's, and it's exactly it, the same know, thing, it's, but
0: it's just you know, exactly, but it's
1: much more evocative. Yeah. And there's also a bunch of um different campaign frames for if you want to play some of the canon factions in the unannumerable setting, like uh, Sect of the Naked Goddess, or The Inquisition, or Flex Echo. You know, if you like those and want to focus your game on them and have your players be members, then you got some stuff here, too. I
0: like the fact that I even managed to include like, Corpulentus and one hundred one oh oh one one oh one objectives uh because there's not many of them yeah and but i kind of i i miss 101 1101 it was it's a fun group i don't know if they still exist but in my
1: world they do they don't say in any way exactly what happens to them so that's a blank canvas to do whatever the hell you want on so torm of these that you came up with what are your favorites Or the couple of your favorites, you don't want to, I guess, spoil everything too much. I think my
0: favorite, oh, it's my favorite is probably um, uh, checkout um, legion because that checkout legion is in the retail section. Um, It is the because it was its entire like so many of these just came from like me thinking of a pun and being like, ah, that worked. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that i don't think there's nothing wrong with that but with uh the checkout legion it was basically the story of the czech legion and the czech legion was um a during the russian revolution or the, the russian civil war a lot of um foreign powers intervened in support of the Tsar against the communists they failed but in one story in one um Incident: The Czech Legion. It's most famously known as the Czechoslovak Czech Legion, but it should be more accurately called the Czechoslovak Legion. And they basically were stuck in the middle of Russia, and they couldn't get out, so they had to fight their way out. Um, they couldn't go west because it was too much craziness, so they had to go east along the um, Trans-Siberian Railway, fighting their way all the way across Russia to get to Vladivostok and get boats out of there. So it's a it's a great. Ridiculous, like, uh, intense historical story. So, I basically took the story of the Russian Revolution and put it into Walmart. And it's like all, all the Allmarts end up connected in some like parallel universe because the Walmart employees were staging a mass unionization effort. And so, corporate just used some magic to cut them off. And so, it's all these Walmarts connected to each other, but all the Walmarts are now fighting all the, um, there's like a million different factions. Um there's anarchist faction, the spillin Isle five was the name of the anarchist faction. And I don't know, I've always liked the um the All Mart, oh, what's what's the name of the uh the campaign starter kit for that?
1: Um Raiders of was the last Mart. Yes.
0: And I've always liked that. And I've liked the fact that like I know uh, I know Kate also uses um all mart in her stuff as well and i like the fact that it's it's coming up
1: uh, it's just a nice little divergence and it gives you a bit more license to kind of do whatever the fuck you want with retail i mean
0: i'm generally of the philosophy i just use like i know some people don't like using like real world stuff in their ostensibly fictional games um i usually i, love I curtain, usually like. do but i don't like and i don't i usually shy away from like um like, fake versions of things, but if it's something that's like, comes up again and again and again, um, I like it. Like, All Might has its own flavor now.
1: Um, So, some of my favorites from this was uh, Cockblock, which is that uh, your friend's new girlfriend is obviously a giant praying mantis, and you have no idea why he can't see that, and you need to break them up before she eats him. Yeah. It's a a pretty easy
0: setup. But I it, it's a good game. Yep. I can see it being fun.
1: That, that, that's, a, that's a fucking phenomenal hook. That's, that's that's just like, all right, I'm in. I have no idea what direction that's going to go in, but I know it's going to be interesting no matter what. Another one I liked a lot was Don't Try to Neg Cleodna, uh, which is um, that you're a bunch of pickup artists whose uh, PUA instructor, Chad Design, has convinced you that if you fuck the Blarney Stone, you'll become a masterful lover. So while he's been arrested, the rest of you aren't going to give up, so the goal of the campaign is to successfully fuck the, bar- the yes, Blarney exactly. stuff. Yes, exactly. And the other one that is sticking out in my head currently is uh, Fringe tokenology, oh, yes. Uh, which is that you're all university professors of some sort that have somehow become convinced that the prehistory that Tolkien talks about in his whole mythology is actually true. And you need to convince the rest of the faculty to get you tenure, despite the fact that you're talking about this complete fringe bullshit. Now, there's a lot of great stuff in here. And I think these are a very valuable purpose because um I've done cork boarding a couple times and the thing that ends up being the sticking point every time is what's the objective of this campaign what are we going to try to do here that's the first step and coming up with that especially when you put it on the players is a lot harder than you think so having a book like this where you can grab a couple of your favorites let your players vote on which one they like the best and then go from there can sort of get the actual creative process of starting a campaign off the ground much more quickly.
0: I think like, it's sort of like the logic of how you, if you're the, um, not the GM, but the facilitator for running a game of fiasco, they tell you, you should come, you should come to the table with like three or four options. Uh, more is, more is too much, but like three or four options. And the idea of this is like, if you're going to start a game, you don't know what you're doing. Um, you can come. You could choose three or four of your favorites from my list, and come there and say, "Okay, here are three or four ideas um, that I think you guys might like," and then they can choose. And that's one of the reasons why, like, I divided it up into different sections. And some of the section, some of the divisions are like kind of hokey. I'm like, I don't know where this goes. I'll put it here. But like the there were two reasons I did that. One is I thought the dividing it into different sections. Um, we give it a greater coherency and make it a lot easier to read, than yeah, it was rather like than just a
1: big back. old list of yeah. ideas,
0: yes, like it, yeah, and now and then all over the place. I'm like, I didn't want that putting them into different chapters, I thought was it, it, it would just improve readability. And another reason is the fact that, like, maybe you'd be like, okay, do you guys want to do like a criminal game? Do you guys want to do a corporate game? Um, oh and also like it was able to let me scratch the itch of like promoting kinds of games that i think should exist but don't like don't, aren't talked about a lot enough, yeah. enough like the fact that i had a whole section on different games in corporate settings because i think a corporate setting for an anonami's game could be really fun
1: yeah yeah and, absolutely um, or a classroom or i mean just a lot of game role playing games in general don't really deal with sex that much and u a has a lot more focus on that than really most role playing games do, so you know as long as all the players involved are cool with it, having a campaign that actively focuses on that type of subject matter, you know is good, and if you know that they aren't into that, then you can safely skip that section and not worry about it.
0: I did try like with the even with the video section, like they're all pretty fucking they're all pretty ridiculous. Like, yes. regular yes. things there's a few which are like dealing with like darker issues, but usually yeah. with the um, the antagonist, right? Like, uh, yeah. gore, gore Quest, Not Your Type, and the uh, um, what's the one? The one with the uh, the 1970s one. You, you have, uh, about one about theory? the sex wars, yes, yeah. Um, well, that it wasn't about the sex wars, it's about. Getting the fucking sleazy guy because I read about the fact that in the seventies they people actually believed that green M and M's were an aphrodisiac. Interesting, and I, thought that's interesting. I, I
1: didn't know about that, huh? I mean, that's that's, that's weird. Hmm.
0: I thought like. It would be interesting to have a cabal made up of opposing sides of the feminist sex wars in the nineteen seventies, and having that sleazeball with the green M and M's as the bad guy. I mean, that's the, there was like three that involve antagonists who are pretty much doing sexually fucked up things. And if you're not, yeah. if your group isn't isn't into that, then don't do that. But it's pretty much always a, an antagonist. While all the other sexy ones are just. Ridiculous! Ridiculous! Like, <laughs>
1: um, the uh, the one about you being part of some like Bacchanalia, neo pagan group, and you need to get a mystic dildo before the next solstice member or something like that. That's,
0: that's a real thing. That's a real thing. They what? really yes, um, Mutinus Tutinus is not fictional. That is a that is an actual <laughs> Roman god with actual. It's actually. Romans did actually have this, the, the Phallus of Mootness Tootness. And when I read that, I was just like, fuck yeah, moody Tootie. I cannot not
1: include this. Uh, and there are some campaign frames outside of that section where you're obviously the bad guys, but oh, totally. it's so much of, it's in a very like Coen Brothers-esque, yeah, you're obviously the assholes, but you're obviously also kind of incompetent. So it works out. Again,
0: this is the fiasco influence, where I'm just like, ah, yeah.
1: Unknown armies and fiasco, in a lot of ways, tell very similar sorts of narratives. They're about yeah. people with very strong belief systems and very strong goals fucking up themselves and everyone around them.
0: And this is why I had a whole section, one of the largest sections of just idiotic objectives. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that's, yeah, that far as, like, themes for a UA game... That's uh that's a pretty easy one to come up with ideas for.
0: And and they called it play stupid games because you win stupid prizes. But yep. it's a good it's a good like I could like there's nothing wrong with playing a, a campaign where you're all idiots doing the wrong thing.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, that's a very good way to have very interesting shit happen very frequently. In
0: idiot, the idiotic section I like um, castration celebration I I have a soft spot for because it's it's just funny um, especially for the fact that he, the romancer friend is probably not gonna get his mate charge for cutting his dick off but he doesn't know that because he doesn't got he hasn't got book five um, and drone hole is just ridiculous like, I'm like
1: we bought this drone and it's gone into a different universe Fuck. well is there anything else you'd like to bring up about the storm?
0: I I, I felt a couple of things, I don't know, I felt... There were some times I'm like, should I include this or not? Uh, But most of the time, I was like, yeah, it's fine. Um, Like, I was a bit iffy about including the one, the white goats, uh, because it's such a a, a serious issue. Um, What's that one? That's the one where you're all playing albinos in Tanzania.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that one.
0: (laughs) that is a very sensitive issue because it is like albinos are being killed in Africa because yeah. of superstition. Um, But I think it was okay because it was like the crazy collector with the clockwork British servants. And I think, it, I think it's okay. And there's like, my logic was like, well, you're playing as the albino guys, you know? It's like yeah, yeah. You're the
1: guys that are fighting up against the corrupt system.
0: Yeah, Exactly.
1: And there are some in here where you are the corrupt system, but you're corrupt in a very petty and non-targeted way.
0: And also, there's things that like people or groups that I disagree with, um, but I put them in there because I don't think they weren't like the power or the danger, like the libertarians at sea. And I'm like, I'm not a libertarian, oh, yeah, but I, yeah. I. I put them in there because Libertarians are fun characters to play. I've pl- I'm i not I'm not a right-wing Libertarian, but I've had several characters who are, and it's so much fun to play a right-wing Libertarian oh, yeah. in
1: the game. Oh, yeah. I've so had fun. characters like that in my games too. They fit so well in UA because they're very much that sort of worldview you get from just seeing a bit too far beyond the veil and getting kind of fucked by it. This is good work, Torm. I like this a lot. Um, I'm curious what else you have coming down the pipe.
0: I am working on, I've decided to actually go forward with doing a, like a Mac Attack sourcebook um, thing.
1: Based oh, on what, fantastic.
0: Based on what we were talking about in that episode.
1: Well, listeners, I guess that is our weather report for the Satisfier and courtesy of Torm, our forecast as well. Any last words, Stormson?
0: if you wake up and you feel the sensation that a feather has just left your shoulder blade you have to go in your bathroom put toothpaste on your mirror and then put it on your face and then you'll be safe
1: telling your advice lay listeners